awesome to be here as always. We enjoy coming. We uh, always enjoy spending time with you guys. We get to hang out with all the Coronas and just have a great time. It's a good, it's a good time to be here. We just really enjoy it. Look out, see some people that I've known for years and years, long time. Said in first service, when we first started, the last thing that I did as pastor of this church, the very last thing that I did was I handed the church cell phone to Pastor Steve. Because he said it was a long, back in, you know, when he said back in the 80s, we all thought, wow, that was a long time ago. And so I handed that cell phone to him. Of course, you have to understand it was in a bag, about this big, and had an antenna sticking out of the back of it. But that's when we started the church. So not, that was, we'd already been here seven years then. But uh, so the 80s seemed like a long time ago, but really, to be honest, wasn't all that long ago. Just 31 years when we did what Michael was talking about. Well, we're so happy to be here with you. We love you guys. We pray for you often. Debbie probably prays for you every day. And uh, we love you. And so we're excited to be here and just share the word with you. You know, um, <clears throat> I've been studying... Uh, you know, in, in your life, we all realize this, but in our life, there are turning points. And a lot of our turning points come from Revelation. That's why it's so important for you guys, all of us, me included, to constantly have an open ear for the Lord to what you want to say to me today. You know, I'm a Raymond grad, just like your pastor. Uh, and it would be real easy to say, oh, I, I, you know, I've, I've been in this a long time. I actually have been pastoring for 31 years, 31 and a half, um, 31. And, um, and it would be real easy to say, you know, we've, we've been there, we've done it, we've got it, we've heard it, we've got all this, we're good. But I've got to tell you, it's real dangerous to do that. And constantly be open. So every time Pastor Micah gets to the pulpit today while I'm here, uh, just have an open ear to what the Holy Spirit wants to say to me. Not necessarily what Pastor Eddie wants to say to me. Because, um, you know, I've had people over the years, uh, you know, I'll be shaking hands at the door and they'll come to me after service and they'll go, Pastor, that was so awesome. You said this and this and this, and it's changing my life. And in the early days, I would think, well, I didn't say that in the morning anything then I realized, well, it's not what I say, it's what the Holy Spirit brings to them as they hear it. So the hearer is blessed. And so that particular revelation that has really been a crossroads for me was when we started learning about the kingdom. Now, before that time, if you'd asked me, do you know about the kingdom? I'd go, oh, yeah, we operate in the kingdom, yeah, of course. But once you kind of start learning some things about the kingdom and realize that it is the kingdom of God is everything. It's, it's where God has us. It's where once we got born again, we got translated out of the kingdom of darkness. Folks, I've got good news. If you're born again, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you no longer serve in that kingdom. You have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And that's really good news. But why it's good news is because now you can start operating out of that kingdom. I remember in the, in the 80s, <clears throat> on into the 90s, we got this revelation that we're no longer under law. You know, in the older, older days, long time ago before the 80s, you know, there was a lot of 
religious law, a lot of religious activity and all that stuff. And there came a time in our lives where we realized, hey, I'm not under that law anymore. But what we did, rather than understand what law we're now under, we said we're not under law anymore. And so the church went through this little period of time where it was whatever goes, goes. It's all good because I'm under grace and not law. Well, we are under grace, but what grace has done is it has empowered us to now be under a different set of laws. Because I've had people, you know, want to challenge me. Well, I'm not under law anymore. I'm under grace. And I'll take them to Galatians and show them where in Galatians it says that the spirit or the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There's still laws. Well, I don't want to be under law. I want to just do my own thing. No, everything operates. Our earth spins because of law. The fact that we see the sun come up every morning operates by law. The fact that when I, if I were to jump off of this pulpit, I would come to the floor is law. But there are still, there are still natural laws, but then there's still spiritual laws. And so once we started receiving spiritual laws and started understanding some things, now we can operate with total and complete confidence. You know, I can drive my car through a traffic light when it's green in confidence that that's what I'm supposed to do. Can't you? Doesn't mean I don't look. Please just at least take a second and look. But the point is, I have confidence because of law. And that's what I want to talk to you today because I think this is where one of the places that we, the body of Christ, have missed it is in that we don't have confidence. Well, I believe that he did it once. Well, will he do it again? Am I okay? Did I do this right? Did I do that? You know, all this stuff when, if we have confidence in the laws of the spirit of life, we can just without any hesitation at all know, oh, well, God's already proven it to me. It's in his word, so I have it. Now, when we talk about this, this the word faith always comes up. And people say, well, it must be you didn't have faith that day. And what we have to understand is that, that at least part of that's true, that there are times when you're in faith and times when you're not. You know, people say, well, I'm a faith person, so I can just drift. I can just flow because I'm a faith person. But I've learned over these years that we're not in faith 24-7. Now, maybe you are, and if you are one of those that are, then, you know, good for you. Um... There are times where I'm in faith in some areas and not in others. Because of our study and because of our time in a particular thing, we might be more developed one way than another. But don't think that you're a faith person, which means you're always in faith. Which means you still got to go here. Now, in the last service, uh, I, I'm believing it's not going to go that way, but it got a little bit tight in a place or two. So, let me help you out. We'll get started this way. If you'll just smile and shake your head and amen once in a while, whatever, I won't know I'm talking to you. And it'll be okay. Uh, It'll be different. But anyway, so the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So, 
Uh, here's one law. I might mention another one or two, but here's one law that I really want to zero in on today because I think it's the one we're missing. And it's called the law of occupation. And let me explain this to you. In a military world, in a conflict, there's a force, the point people, they go in first and they take the land. You think about Normandy, the beaches of Normandy. You think about different things that we've seen and lived through. That first force goes in and they take it. But after that force takes some land, some territory, they move on and another force has to come in right behind them and occupy. And if they don't occupy, what happens is the force, the evil forces or the enemy filters back in behind them and retakes the property or the territory. And so Jesus has already won the war. He defeated the devil. He gave him the left foot of fellowship. You know, he's done. But you and I now have to occupy. Actually, the scripture we're going to read today uh, tells us that we are to occupy until he comes. And so when we understand that, that you and I are the occupation force, our job is, is to keep the enemy from retaking. And of course, you'll do that through fear and through, you know, evil thoughts and all the stuff that he does. And so you and I are part of, you signed up. You are part of the occupation force. And thank you, I've got some people who are still, are still grinning since I asked you to and are back there doing this. So good job. So today I want to talk about the law of occupation because this is the law that will help us overcome. So we're going to go to a very familiar portion of scripture, something I know probably if you've been in church any amount of time that you have heard it and it's called the parable of the talents. But it's different. And there's some things there. You, you know, I, I am a student of the Bible. And because of that, I want to know why. Don't you? I want to know why stuff's there. I don't want to just go, oh, well, the Bible said, so I got to do. No, I want to know why. I want to know what is it that's in here. Uh, I said this in first service. I learned this a long time ago. That uh, Have you noticed that Bibles are different sizes? You know, this is my preaching Bible. Actually, this Bible right here, this is the third one of, of its kind that I've had. The, uh, this Bible was given to me by a dear friend, my best friend. You probably know him. His name is Steve Corona. Notice how I said that. I was introducing him at our graduation last year. And just, you know, thinking, you know, not really thinking what I was saying, but thinking. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Good. <laughs> I said, I, I want to introduce to you Steve Corona, probably my best friend. <laughs> I didn't think anything of it. He got up there and he said, well, at least I'm probably. <laughs> and I thought, okay, so I have to change that. So that's kind of our thing. So I heard him over there giggling when I said, without hesitation, my best friend. So anyway, if you want to go to your Bible... Go to, um, go to Luke, and I'll finish my statement. We get to Luke. Luke chapter, you can go ahead and go to 19. Luke 19. So I learned this. Bibles are different sizes and shapes and all that stuff, but they're same, they're the same number of words in here. But the words that were put in the Bible were not just put there to make it a bigger Bible is my point. 
So if there's, a, if there's something in Scripture that bothers you, oh no, I wouldn't be disrespectful to the Word. You have to understand, if your mind doesn't get a hold of something, you can't operate in it. And so for me, there are times when I'm reading Scripture, and I'll get to Scripture, and I'm like, that just bothers me. And I'm looking around, doesn't that bother, doesn't that bother you? And so I've taken the time today, for you today, to kind of, as we go, talking about the law of occupation, I want to hit a couple of these things to help us. Because the Word is in here for a reason. The Holy Spirit put it on someone's heart to put that specific word here, whether it was Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek, for our benefit. And so I always just stop and say, okay, I got to find out why that's there. So we will do that today. Now, as we start here, we're doing, of course, we're doing from Luke's perspective rather than Matthew's for a particular reason, and I'll show you as we get there. But uh, let's just start in verse 11. So we're looking in Luke 19, 11, and we'll read till we get tired. How about that? Verse 11 says this, Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable. This is Jesus, of course. Because he was near Jerusalem, listen, and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Remember, the Jews were expecting Messiah to come. They still are. But they're looking more for a political leader. They were then, they are now, someone who would overthrow in that day the Roman government. And so the Jews kept asking Jesus, are you going to set up your kingdom now? They asked that over and over and over and over again. And so here he is, he's going to Jerusalem. He's already told them that his end here is in hand, and they didn't quite get it. And so as they're moving toward Jerusalem, they're saying, are you going to set up your kingdom today? It is today your coronation. And, um, and so he gives them this parable as a way of explaining. Now, when we talk about the parable of the talents, almost immediately everybody says this is about money. And let me assure you that this parable is not about money. Money is a tool. Now, I would be amiss if I said to you money's not important. How many of you know that in this kingdom, this kingdom, the currency of this kingdom, is not, the, not God's kingdom, but this kingdom, the currency of this kingdom is money. Can we all agree on that? Yeah, if you think not, then just, you know, after about three or four days, you'll realize, no, I need some. But in God's kingdom, money is a secondary thing. Money is a tool and a, if I can use this term, servant to us. Here is our first mistake. Now, not necessarily you, but a mistake that a lot of people make is that they're so concerned about money that they can't do anything else. We need volunteers to come and decorate the rest of the church. Well, I'd love to do it, but I can't. I have four jobs. Why do you have four jobs? I have to make enough money. I have a certain amount of money. I have to, you know, all that stuff. Are you with me? They're the three that were smiling. Quit smiling. That just stopped working at all here for me. Um, 
money is the currency of this kingdom, but it's not of God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, I'll say it again, money is a tool and a servant. So if we're operating in the currency of the kingdom, then all this other stuff comes. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. I won't actually get into that because I could show you some things there. But what I want you to realize is that money is not the currency of God's kingdom. So if money is not the currency of God's kingdom, what is? And the answer is faith. By faith, the worlds were framed. Now just hold on because I know you're going to start tilting with on me here. But it's not just faith. Because when we say, say, you know, we, we say faith, we just all start thinking about faith for finances, faith for healing, faith for, faith for, faith for, faith for. But actually in context, what I'm getting ready to read, I'm kind of giving you the focusing here before we get started. The, the currency of the kingdom of God is faith in assignment. Faith in assignment God doesn't look at bank accounts God looks at your faithfulness to assignment and that's what this is all about and so we're so I'll just kind of cut to the chase and let you know we're talking about your assignment today is what we're talking about that's what this is about this parable is about your assignment everybody in this room has potential Everybody in this room, God drops something specific in their heart, something specific in their DNA before they were even born. You came into this world with a purpose. It's awesome to me to have all of you guys here, sitting here, listening to somebody teach the word, somebody worship Jesus, and you know on the inside if you're not thinking of it naturally on the inside you can feel yourself drawing closer to something it's your potential now wouldn't it be an awesome world if everybody was just like Steve Corona wouldn't that be awesome yes, it would. and I hear him if you can't hear him he's going boy wouldn't that be awesome <laughs> and the answer to that of course would be no just me and you we're tight okay we're tight but if there, were, if, if there were a world full of Steve Coronas, one thing would get done awesomely well, or two, or a dozen or two. I mean, he's a pretty good guy. But there'd be things that would, not be, le would be left undone because he can't do everything. He's not equipped to do everything. But you are. You see, the Bible tells us in Ephesians, this is already going a different direction. In, in the book of Ephesians, the Bible tells us that God sets in the body as it pleases him. Which means he looks at the vision, the assignment on a church, and then he handpicks you to be there to fulfill what he put in the church. So you're here to be a vision completer. That's real. I mean, if you just want to boil it right down to it, that's why you're here. Well, I thought I was here because I like the music. I like this. I like Pastor Mike. I, you know, and all that's important. But really, when it comes down to it, that's why you're here. Because you have something that this church needs. And that's why God said, Living Word Family Church. Think about it. 31 years ago 
31 years and one month minus five days if you want to be exact God placed this church here Capitol Boulevard we drove all over town we drove from point to point you know at the time 540 was not here so you had to get on the belt we called it the belt line I guess you still do and we just drove and we kept coming over here God designed that this church would be where it is Debbie and I walked through it looking for furniture before it ever became a church and we both looked at each other and said this would make a nice church she was right it does but God has I'm saying this for a particular reason and the reason is you know when we started looking we had, we had a realtor that was helping us find a commercial building and she would say where do you want to look today we would say US1 and she'd say you can't have a church on US1 remember 31 years ago there was not now I could be wrong I didn't I don't remember going up and down US1 looking for churches but she kept saying you can't have a church on Capitol Boulevard I don't think there was one there might have been one but you guys are groundbreakers you have been designed to be that way I could stop right here and prophesy to you because that is your calling there are some things that are about your calling but one of them is your groundbreaker you'll go places that nobody else will go or have gone especially in this area for I'll give you a for instance and I'll get back to my message how many churches have broken through the barrier of moving over into the the film industry how many I don't know that you guys understand what you're what you're in right now that's a groundbreaking thing and not only is it groundbreaking just to break into the film industry but to do it with such excellence oh that's a Christian film oh we don't want to look at that because you know that's going to be goofy not these you're groundbreakers you were designed to be groundbreakers there's a specific call on this church's life which means on your life to do the impossible and you're going to do it I already know I have inside information so Jesus is telling this parable because they want to know we're going to set up the kingdom now alright so yeah did I get off base I did a little bit but I swung back around and we're here and so he said here's the parable he said a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then to return now I don't think they understood that at that time in fact I know they didn't understand it but you do because you can look and say oh that nobleman that's a parable of Jesus because Jesus did he went to the cross he was crucified buried three days later he raised from the dead he ascended into the, into, to the father and received his kingdom then he came back 40 days and just taught but he's coming back and that's when we receive the benefit of this parable but let's look at it in context for now and so he called 10 of his servants and delivered unto them 10 pounds now some say 10 coins some say 10 talents but here it just says pounds and uh, he said to them do business till I come King James says occupy till I come so get the thought process 
Uh, now we are the occupying force. The, the, the nobleman has gone away to establish the kingdom. He will be back. Until then, it's the job of you and me to occupy this kingdom. It's our job. Well, Jesus is going to do whatever Jesus is going to do. You know, it's not for us to know all this stuff. It's just whatever he has in mind. No, we have to understand something. He gave us a directive. And the directive was, you make things work. We'll see here in just a second. Not only do we, are we to maintain, but we're actually to grow the kingdom. You'll see it in a second. Here we go. I'm getting ahead of myself. I like this part. Do business, occupy till I come. Verse 14, but his citizens hated him. I'm like, that just doesn't even fit, does it? But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have you to reign over us. And so when he returned, he started talking to his servants. Now, real quickly, let me just tell you this. There are two different groups of people here. There are the citizens and the servants. The citizens don't receive him. There are citizens today that don't receive him. There are citizens today that hate him. Did Jesus stop right there and say, I'm going to have a mass casting out of devil's service? No, he went back to his servants and focused on them. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, did not change the world. I'm, I'm stopping here for a second, but there's more. He did change the world through his disciples. And he's still doing that today. So here's why this scripture is in here, because this scripture bugs me, or it did, it doesn't anymore, but it bugged me until I got in here and looked at it. Okay, so here are people that don't receive Jesus. We still got them today. But he put them in this story because it's part of the work that you and I must do is to go and make disciples out of these people that didn't believe him. They wouldn't believe him, but they will believe you. Now watch. Um, <clears throat> and so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, so, you know, he gave to his disciples or to the servants. And... Um, commanded his servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they did now the word servant in the Greek it's an interesting Greek word because we have a problem with this word servant and the word servant is the Greek word dolos d-o-u-l-o-s would be the English spelling dolos and so the word dolos means this it means to, of your own accord, enlist in the kingdom. Enlist in the service of the kingdom. So these servants here are not what we would think as servants to Jesus. These people these that enlist, they are servants of the kingdom. It's just like the military, they serve our nation which means they serve us, but they serve our nation. And so understand this, that this is what you and I, when you, when you became born again, you enlisted in the service of the kingdom. 
Here again, everybody in this room has a particular focus. You have a particular call. You have a particular assignment. You have potential that nobody else has. There this the smiles left again. All right, here we go. And so <clears throat> he went to the first one. And he said, uh, he said to the first one, come. And the ma- he said, Master, your money has earned 10 more. So he doubled. Now we think, oh, there's a hundredfold return money. Well, yes, but that's not what this is about in context. This is about the ability that I gave you to operate in the kingdom. You use that ability to gain double for the kingdom. In context, the people that are, are out in the kingdom, you know, we will have an effect on. Are you here? And so then he went to the one who had five, and he said, I have five more. And what did he say to the two? He said, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I'll make you ruler over ten and five cities. Right? Now notice something. Well done, thy good and faithful. Faithful is another way of saying faith and assignment. So faithfulness is the currency of the kingdom of God. Be in faith and full of faith in your assignment. This is what I'm called to do. Nothing's going to stop me. I'll have plenty of money. I'll have plenty of everything I need to do whatever it is I'm called to do. That is our assignment. That is the currency of the kingdom. And so it goes on. And so he, he talks to the one who had 10, talks to the one at five. Now he's coming to the guy that only had one. And so you'll find that in verse 20. And verse 20 says this, And then the other came, saying, Master, here is your one coin, which I have kept, put away in a handkerchief, for I feared you. I want you to listen to this, because this is the other verse here that bothers me. For I feared you, because you are an austere, austere, Man. Some translation says you are a hard man. <clears throat> I knew that you were a hard man collecting, listen to this, collecting what you did not deposit and reaping what you did not sow. And Jesus said, I rebuke you. I am a God of love. I am a God of forgiveness. I am a God of mercy. He didn't do any of that, did he? You're looking at me like, I don't remember reading that. He did not correct the man. Which means Jesus agrees when he says, you're a hard man. Now, how many of you in your prayer time this evening before you go to bed, you know, now I lay my head, now I lay my, anyway, never mind. When you, when you get ready to pray tonight, are you going to say, God, you're a hard guy? Nobody's going to do that, are we? That sounds so irreverent, doesn't it? But yet he didn't correct him, which means we got to figure out why, right? Does that bother anybody else but me? I got one guy hicking his head just here. Anybody else? I see two, three. God's moving. So here it is. Here it is, real quick, because we got to figure this out. So the, the word austere in the Greek, austere, is actually the Greek word austeros, austeros. And the word austeros 
in the Greek actually means this. Are you ready? Because this will help us. It means straight, no nonsense, black and white, say it and mean it, just. When we say God is just, what we are saying is that God rules justly, right? You know, you go to a judge and what do you call him, supposedly? And we know we'll get justice, right? Because he's just. And so Jesus did not disagree when the guy said, you're just, because he is. Now, why did he let this stay in here? Because that bothers me. And here's the reason. Because if we can have confidence in the justice of God, we know that when he says to do this and you will have this, we know it's just. We know that that's what he said, and so we can depend on it. But here's what happened. Rather than the guy saying, because you're just, I'll do what you say, he walked in fear. Now, that's the point I want you to see here. Now, there's going to be some things that God tells you to do. God told us to leave family and everybody in Roanoke, Virginia, and move to Raleigh, North Carolina, and start a church knowing no one. We didn't have jobs. We didn't have a building. We didn't have home. We didn't have anything except a word from God. And it, in the natural, seemed impossible. But here we are, 31 years later, and God has shown up time and time and time again. And if he is just, which he is, then no matter what he tells you as an individual to do, he's already made provision that you will be able to fulfill it. If he called you to be a singer, then he's already given you the voice. I absolutely know he did not call me to be a singer. I, although I did, I used to be, I know you don't know this about me, I used to be lead singer in a rock and roll band. I really did. This was in the 60s, and thank God for that time because you didn't need to carry a tune, you just need to be able to scream. But I played rhythm guitar and lead singer. But once you come over here into this realm, I, I, I don't do the singing part. But here's my point. My point is that God has given you something. And so this is what he's saying to the guy. Because you walked in fear, you would not step out. And because you would not step out, I'm taking what you do have and giving it to somebody else. Giving it to the one who doubled. So here's my... Um, my thought for you today you I mean I'm looking at you I could take the time I want but I could take time to go through every, each and every one of you and say this to you you are important to the kingdom you have something that the kingdom needs you have something if God's called you to this church you have something that this church needs that this church will not be complete until you step out. Don't allow fear. Don't allow the stuff of the past. Don't allow how you were treated in the past to keep you from what God has called you to do. Because you are a breakthrough type person. He put you here. 
much. Oh, no, you don't know what I'm in the middle of right now. Well, you may not be at your full potential yet, but it's in there. Let these pastors and these leaders pull that out of you. Because in, in the grand scheme of things, that's their job. They lead and feed. Where do they lead? They lead you to your potential. My most fulfilling thing in life, bar none, is to see somebody walking in their potential. Doesn't matter how many years it took to see them walking in their potential. I know I'm here in the well done, that good and faithful servant. So let's just take just a moment. You look on the inside. I can't tell you what you're called to do. I don't know. These pastors will be cl come closer to doing it. But they don't know. Holy Spirit knows. Deep down you know. So I'm going to pray for you today. And as I do, here's what I'm believing. I'm believing that that potential, that that seed that's on the inside of you, that's down in there somewhere, that it's going to begin to swell up and begin to produce. It's going to take some time. That's why they're here. It's going to take some time. That's why you're here. But the kingdom will be better off because of you. So let's pray. First, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is the day. Because that's the beginning of the opening up of your potential. And it's as simple as asking him into your life. You know, people say to me all the time, well, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. That doesn't matter in, what, in God's eyes because what's important is that you turn all that stuff over to Him. So before we pray the other prayer, let's just pray this real quick. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you've not made Him the Lord of your life, and you'd want prayer for that. We've got people that's going to pray with you here in just a few minutes. And that's you. And you say, yes, sir, I, I, I want somebody to pray with me. I want my life to matter. I want my life to, to, to come to completion. If that's you, just real quickly, nobody looking around with me and you. You just raise your hand and say, yeah, pray for me here a minute. I want, I want that. I want to receive Jesus. Real quickly, just raise your hand. I didn't see anybody yet. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else, thank you so much. You don't know what a bold step that is to do what you just did. Anybody else says, man, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Two people, is that awesome? Congratulations on your first day, I'm telling you. Now, for everybody else, I'm just going to pray a general prayer, and then I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor. praying that you will see your potential. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, speak to your people. They have ears to hear and a heart to understand. And so today, begin to open up things in their life. Begin to show them their potential. Begin to show them what they could be in you. And Father, we'll give you praise for it's a great thing. You have greatness for them. Fulfillment for them. And we can see it operating in their lives. In Jesus' name. Father, do a work in them for the kingdom's sake. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name. And everybody said?
We sure do love you. Debbie and I count it an honor and a privilege to be a part of this church. You can guarantee if we lived in North Carolina, you know where we'd be coming to church. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for letting this come and be a part. Pastor.